Many of you know me. My name is Chris. I'm normally up here playing on a Sunday morning. Uh, but the best way to get to know me is by knowing that I've got two boys at home and love them to death. These guys are, they bring me so much joy. And, you know, typically when I come home each and every day, whether it be from the church or maybe calling a game somewhere, uh, they'll run up to the door with arms wide open. And the first question I get from my oldest, Mason, is, Dad, will you play with me in my room? And I have sort of a love-hate relationship with that question because, of course, I'm love, I love being asked to, to play in his room, but at the same time, I'm just walking in the door, and you want to take a few seconds, you know, to kind of relax. But eventually, once that happens, once we get to start playing, uh, I get another question, and that is, Dad, what's our mission? And then I have to come up with some kind of mission for us to do. And normally, he's got an action figure in his hand. It may be PJ Masks, if you know what that is. Uh, if you got kids, you know what that is. Uh, Mickey Mouse, that one you probably know. And then probably his most favorite is Paw Patrol. So I got a little chase dog here. We'll let him hang out while we go. So the other day, um, I was having to come up with this mission, and... I didn't really come up with a good one because I haven't, used, I haven't used my imagination nearly as much as he has recently. And uh, after my mission, Mason looked at me and said, don't worry, Dad, I'll, I'll do the mission. So I got my phone out and I recorded it because I was preparing this sermon today and I knew I wanted to start with something along these lines. And I, have a video, I had a video I could show you, but he's still not quite used to uh, some words, particular words. And so I figured I'd better transcribe it instead. So here was the transcription. Ready for action, Ryder, sir. Thanks for coming, pups, because Mayor Humdinger is okay, but he pumped up with a water cannon, and it's the red-blue crocogators. We're still working on that one. Oh, no. So this mission, I'll need me, Chase. I'm going to need my mobile, and you're coming in my chase car, too. Zuma, you're coming in my chase car, too. All right, Paw Patrol, we're on a roll. Like I said, I love my kids. When I reflect on the love I have for my kids, I can't help but think about God. God had a plan from the beginning of time, a purpose. God had a mission himself. God sent his son, Jesus, who we loved, to earth to pay the penalty for our sins. Same scripture Mark used earlier. Let's take a look at it again. Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve death, but because of God's free gift, we have hope for eternal life. That's the love that God has for us. And God accomplished that mission. But today, we're going to look at another mission. This is after Jesus rose from the, from the grave, and he provides us, his followers, even here and now, to have a mission as well. Uh, we're going to do something kind of fun today. Maybe, maybe not fun for you. Um, there's a little gray card in your bulletin, and hopefully you've got one. Um, we're going to sort of do a little anonymous survey today, and if my volunteers that I talked to before the service, if you guys will come on up um, with your buckets. Um, what I'm going to ask you to do is fill out these 10 questions on this gray sheet. But there are a couple very important rules. Number one, do not write your name anywhere 
near uh, this card. And while I'm at it, I do have extras. So if anyone needs one, if anyone needs one, do you want to just go ahead and start passing those out for me? Raise your hand if you need a car, a gray card. Okay, thank you. We'll get everybody a card there. All right. So while those are getting passed out, a couple of rules on this. Don't write your name on it. This is anonymous. Um, do not look at anyone else's card or answers. If you're sitting beside someone that you don't want to see your answers, you have my permission to scoot over a little bit and kind of hide it. You know what I'm saying? Um, be honest. This is going to be really good if everybody's honest and open and vulnerable about this. Um, and then a note for those of you who are 18 and under. Um, there are some pretty personal questions on here. If you're under the age of 18, I'm giving you an out. You don't have to participate in this. If you want to, you can. Parents, if you're eight, if you're underage, children are here, and you're okay with them filling this out and participating, I'm totally fine with it too, but I'm giving you guys an out if you need it, okay? So when you're done, uh, please fold your cards up so that, you know, the blank side is out. No one can see your answers. And my guys here are going to go ahead and start collecting those. All right, we're going to get back to these later. Thank you for participating. Um, all right, let's shift gears. Today we're going to study the final words of Jesus. This is his mission that he's providing for us, the Great Commission as it's known. And uh, I want to tell you about a, a story about the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Since 1976, uh, they've they have maintained a digital archive of every inmate's last official statement before they received the death penalty. It's true. I looked it up this week. You can scroll through, see the people, what they said before they went through the death penalty. They, you can read more about their case and things like that. Uh, but they keep track of this because last words are important. As you might expect, these statements are used to tell loved ones uh, how they feel about them. In some cases, uh, criminals didn't issue a statement at all. In other cases, uh, they use the statements to uh, express remorse for what they've done and the harm that they've caused to uh, the families of those that they may have uh, hurt. We know Jesus was also sentenced to death, even though he wasn't guilty. But just like the state of Texas, the author of the book of Matthew thinks it's important to include the last words of Jesus before he ascends to heaven. So today we're focusing on those very important words. Let's get some context here. First, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, one of the Gospels. This is a participatory, participatory question. That's a hard word. The book of Matthew was written by... Matthew, trick question. You got it. Uh, chapter 28, after a brutal death, as we read about, Jesus defeats the grave, rises again on Sunday morning, appears to several people, including his mother, Mary, and Mary Magdalene, and tells them to tell his disciples to meet him on a mountain in Galilee where he will end up delivering these words. So here we go. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So that's our primary passage, the Great Commission. And we want to start with that first statement that Jesus 
gave. If, Tommy, you'll go back to the very first one on verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Before Jesus outlines this mission, he's letting you know that, he's letting them know and us know that he has the authority to send us on this mission. He just demonstrated his authority in a pretty solid way by dying and coming back, okay? So he's got authority from heaven to give us this mission. And in a sense, he's extending this authority to us to help spread the news of what has happened. So here's our question that we're gonna be pondering today. And that is how do we accomplish Jesus's mission for us? How do we accomplish Jesus's mission for us? Uh, Well, the primary answer is this. I'm gonna go ahead and give it away. We become disciple-making disciples who, we'll get to the who. The, the important part here is that we become disciple-making disciples. We become disciples ourselves who then make other disciples. Okay, we, we sort of replicate ourselves in, in exponential growth. Um, the word disciple, it's a church word. You don't hear it much outside of the church circles, but a disciple basically means a follower or a learner. Jesus described being a disciple this way in Matthew chapter 16. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. There is a cost. Jesus says to become a disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up the cross, follow Jesus into death, into suffering, uh, and follow him. So there is a cost to becoming a disciple But once we become disciples, our goal, our mission is to make more disciples. But then it goes a little further and he breaks this down in three sub points that we'll look at closer. The first one is go. Uh, We become disciple making disciples who go. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. This might be better translated this way. Therefore, as you go in the world, make disciples. When you see the word go in the context of the church, you often think about going overseas on a mission trip or going into full-time global mission work. It's very honorable. And we support global missionaries here in this church whose goal is making Jesus' name famous and there's still more work to be done. According to a recent report from the Joshua Project, there are nearly two billion people, that's billion with a B, more than 25% of the world population that live in a people group without a self-sustaining gospel movement. Only about 4% of global missionaries are currently going to places where there are no existing churches. So that's a pretty alarming number. That's not to uh, hate on missionaries by any means. What they do is very important and it's very tough work, but we have more people to reach across the world. You can't hit on going and taking this message to all nations without taking a look at how we're doing uh, at the moment. But you may say, you know, I I am passionate about that, but I don't want to give up my life to be a missionary overseas. It's not really for me. That's fair. But let me me, me say this. Uh, If you look around, you know there's plenty of work to be done right here at home as, as well. Another research study by the group Barna, who does quite a bit of uh, Christianity research. Uh, this is from 2022. They surveyed 2,000 people, and they asked them to answer a simple question. How do you identify yourself? 
and I get that some of these numbers are maybe small and these words are small, so I'll walk you through it. The red bar on this slide are people who identify themselves as Christians, and these categories here are different generations. So we'll start at the bottom. This is elders, boomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, and then the very top is the conglomerate of all U.S. adults. So the numbers up top is 67%, uh, 56% Gen Z, 63% millennials, and so on. Um, you don't necessarily have to see the tiny details to see that image and understand what's happening. Uh, currently, uh, only 56% of people in Gen Z uh, reported that they consider themselves Christian. To give you more context here, this light gray box is people that said other faith. They have other faith. The next shade is agnostic. The next shade is atheist. And the next shade is no faith whatsoever. The darkest shade, no faith whatsoever. So let's take a look at the next slide, which is the same chart, but now we're highlighting in red those that said they identify with no faith whatsoever. The oldest group, the elders, only 5% of respondents said they had no faith. They've been around long enough to know what they believe. But look here. It sticks out like a sore thumb, doesn't it? 25% of Gen Z respondents did not say they were atheist or agnostic. They said they had no faith whatsoever. Gen Z is uh, people that were born between 1997 and 2013. That's ages 10 to 26. If you'll do me a favor, if you are in that range, please raise your hand. Tim Bowman, you are not in that range back there. I saw your hand go up. There's a few in the room today. Not, not many, but there are a few. And I don't have to tell you this, Gen Z people. That is, uh, many of your friends, many of the people you go to school with or work with, are... They haven't really discovered their faith, even right here in Bristol, in the Bible Belt. Uh, we've got work to do. Now, I want to issue a clarification, and that is that young people are not the only people worth reaching, okay? As long as there's a red bar here or any of these other bars, there's people worth reaching in all these generations. But this, this is important because 25% of Gen Z respondents have not made up their mind. There are people to be reached and it's the future leaders of this church and the church across the world. We're commanded to reach the world for Jesus, which includes our community. Okay? Jesus says all nations, which means our nation as well. Uh, let's get to the next point. Baptize. Baptize. There's those words for you for your blanks. World and community. So the next word is baptize. Jesus says in the Great Commission... Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So why baptism? Why so important? Why does he issue this command? Uh, well, Jesus himself was baptized in, in Matthew chapter 3. We read about that. Uh, he's, he said he did it to fulfill all righteousness. And I don't know about you, but that's enough of an argument for me to want to get baptized. Jesus did it, and he said, I'm doing it to fulfill all righteousness. Sign me up. What is baptism? Baptism is symbolic of our new relationship with Jesus. We die to our old self, down into the water, back up, and we have new life in Jesus Christ. We identify with Jesus in the death and resurrection. 
okay? Um, it's symbolic. And there are many fantastic stories about baptism in the Bible, but I want to go, I want to share my favorite one here, and it's in Acts chapter 8. Six chapters earlier, the Holy Spirit comes down at Pentecost, and here we see Philip, who is one of Jesus' disciples, in a situation where the Holy Spirit is working on him. The Holy Spirit tells Philip to approach a chariot that's passing by. Inside the chariot was an Ethiopian eunuch. A eunuch was basically a person involved in the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. And we read that the eunuch is having a hard time understanding a particular passage of Scripture, and the Holy Spirit urges Philip to go provide assistance. Philip explains the Scriptures to the eunuch, and then watch what happens. Verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Things I love about this passage. Number one, we see the Holy Spirit at work in Philip and in the eunuch. Number two, we see someone who's eager to learn about the scriptures. Number three, we see a disciple of Jesus willing to share the gospel and lend his services. Number four, we see immediate obedience of the eunuch to be willing to say, why don't, why don't we just get baptized right now? And number five, this is, the, this is showing the inclusion of the gospel. This is not just for Jews. This is for everyone, even those from Ethiopia, okay? And the truth is heaven is going to be filled with people from all over the world. Heaven is not going to look like this church. I'd like to think the Ethiopian eunuch will be there too. We are commanded to help people find new life in Jesus. New life in Jesus. All right, the third bullet is teach. Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus' command here is his disciples for them to tell the world who he is and tell of his commands. Jesus wants us to keep his commands, of course, as his disciples, but also share this news, share the goodness and the stories of Jesus so it may impact other people. Why? Because knowing and living by the scriptures is crucial to a disciple's day in and day out life. Paul wrote, put it this way in 2 Timothy in a letter to Timothy. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's a pretty ringing endorsement of Scripture. And the truth is we've all taught something to someone before, so we know how to teach. Maybe some of you have been teachers in school, but even if you haven't, you've likely taught someone something. Even my Gen Z people who raised their hands a minute ago, even you all, as the youngest group represented in this room, have taught something. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys to raise your hands again. Gen Z people, how many times have you taught an older person how to use their cell phone? Okay, good, good. Um, okay, Matt, you are not Gen Z. Stop it. All right. Okay, Gen Z, how many of you have had to explain to someone older why a bunch of Gen Z girls have suddenly become fans of the Kansas City Chiefs? That's a Taylor Swift joke. Okay. Ugh, that one burned. All right. Um, had a feeling on that one. When you teach something, you're trying to communicate something that you know that someone else does not. And we have experience teaching. All of us do in our jobs, in school, etc. 
Jesus takes this a step further when he says teach them, not only teach them, but teach them to obey. Teach them with a purpose, with obedience. James 1.22 says it this way, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Of course we want to learn scripture, but we have to obey as well. We're commanded to instruct and teach obedience. A couple tips for becoming effective teachers of the word. Number one, build relationships with people, okay? Uh, you can try to teach someone something, but if there's not a relationship there, the truth is it probably is not gonna get caught, okay? Um, study the word. You have to be able to know what you're teaching. You have to know the material. And number three, uh, share the impact that scripture or your relationship with Jesus has had on your life. Those are just three tips of many in terms of how we can teach people to obey the scriptures. Our last point is this. We must accept that this challenge, this mission, is for all of us. We accept that this challenge is for all of us. And I want you to think about this in two different ways. Number one, this mission is for each one of us to fulfill. As disciples of Jesus, when you commit your life to him, you're signing up to help take care of this challenge, this mission. But at the same time, flip the way you think about that. This challenge is for all of us. That means it's for everybody. Not just as disciples, but we as disciples are to take this word to everyone. It's not just the people that are convenient to us. It's not just the people we like. It's not just the people we agree with. We take it to everyone. This is an all-inclusive challenge. All right, let's get back to these cards. Can I get my volunteers back up here, please? What we're going to do, remember, there are no names on any of these cards, right? So, stump them all together here. Just going to shuffle them up a little, just in case somebody wrote their name. You're likely not going to end up with the same card that you wrote. If you did, that'd be pretty magical, huh? But, um, yeah, we'll just kind of spread these out a little, make sure everybody's got some. All right, I'm going to have my guys pass out a card to you. So if you participated in this, which I hope is everybody, but because we may have had some that didn't, just slip your hand up if you filled out a card, and I'm going to give you a new card. And this card is going to be um, filled out by someone in this room. Probably not you. The odds would be small of, of that, but you never know, I guess. This card is representative of a person here today. And um, what we're going to do once everybody gets a card is we're going to go through the results of the questions. And I'm going to ask you, uh, after we get done with this activity, feel free to keep this card because it doesn't have a name on it and it's representative of someone here. And I'm gonna encourage you to keep it because as you look at it, you're probably gonna see that maybe like many of you, there are several yeses circled on this list. And we are going to review those results as soon as we get these cards passed out. So I'll give these guys just a few more seconds here. Anybody that filled out a card does not have a card? Okay. I think we got everybody. All right, so this might be your best workout of the week. 
But in a moment, we're going to go through each one of these questions, and I'm going to ask you to stand if the person that filled out your card circled yes, okay? Um, if you can't stand, that's fine. Just raise your hand. But if you can, please stand. It'll be 10 different times, okay? Shall we go through these? Actually, I you got any left? You got one? Okay, I filled one out too. All right, let's do this. Question number one, please stand if your person circled yes to this question. Do you struggle with depression, fear, or anxiety? Mine too. Be seated, please. Number two, have you ever had thoughts of self-harm? Please stand if your person circled yes. Mine too. Be seated, please. Number three, have you ever felt shame about sexual sin in your life? Please stand if they're circled yes. Please be seated. Number four, have you ever been physically or verbally abused? Stand if yes. Me too. Okay, be seated. Number five, have you ever been addicted to something? Please stand if yes has been circled on your card. Thank you. Go ahead and sit, sit down. Halfway through, only five more stands. Number six, have you ever taken medication for mental or psychological struggles? Please stand if yes. Thank you. Go ahead. Number seven, are you currently worried about your financial situation? Stand if yes. See Kenny, if, Kenny, you got some advice? <laughs> All right, be seated, please. Thank you, Kenny. Number eight, are you lonely? Be seated. Number nine, have you ever struggled to believe God loves you or wants what's best for you? Okay, be, be seated, please. And then last one, do you have any secrets? Be seated, please. Thank you for participating. Um, I think that brings us a couple lessons um, that we've learned today. Number one, there are broken people in this room, and that's okay. This whole activity was not meant to shame anyone for things that you're going through at all. In fact, it's to do quite the opposite, and that's why at the top we wrote the words, you are not alone. Because as you just saw, um, people just like you, people in this room, are maybe struggling with the same things you struggled with. Uh, the person that filled out this card circled every one of them. So... Let me give you an encouragement for those that may be hurting right here and right now. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Another passage, Matthew chapter 9. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? 
On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Don't take this the wrong way, but we have sick people in this room. Many of you in this room know Jesus. Imagine for a moment going through all of this that we just stood up, representing our, this group in this room, and not having Jesus to come alongside. Imagine if we gave this same card to people in our community who don't know Jesus, I would say that they probably circled just as many yeses as you did, if not more. And yet they don't know Jesus Christ, the person who can bring hope. And that is why we have the mission we have, is to take this good news to our hurting world. This is why Jesus gave us the mission. So here's a connection. We accomplish the mission by discipling all nations, teaching all scripture, and seeking the all-powerful and all-present Jesus. It's a lot of all. The last verse that Jesus gives us in this command is an encouragement. He says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't it interesting how Jesus frames the mission? At first, the first statement says, I have the authority to give you this mission. Did you see what I just did? I just came back from dead. I've got the authority to give you this. He lists what we need to do, and then he says, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be with you the entire way, and I'm not going away through his Holy Spirit. So that's an encouragement for us. And you may be wondering if you can accomplish this mission. Maybe you feel like you're not qualified enough. As a reminder, God chose people throughout history who weren't liked by society, who, weren't, who didn't have it all together, tax collectors like Matthew who wrote the book we've studied today, Saul, later turned Paul, who killed Christians. He used him as maybe his greatest missionary of all time. He uses people like you. He uses people like me. It doesn't matter how many yeses you circled today. Look up and down Jesus' lineage, and you'll find names of people that were prostitutes, that were murderers, that were adulterers, but God used every single one of them because as people, we're all broken. And God can do an act of work in us because of who he is. No matter who we are, Jesus promises to go with us. He'll be by your side if you seek him. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells his disciples this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. There's that little song. Right? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. This is too great to keep hidden. This love, this, this grace, this story is too great to keep to ourselves because people need it throughout the world. We saw the numbers on the generation split. There are people right here in our community that need Jesus because all are welcome to join. Let's wrap up. First of all, a reminder that God loves you. God is your heavenly father. He's your creator. He loves all of his sons and daughters. He loves the healthy. He loves the sick. He loves those who struggle and are struggling still. And just as Jesus completed God's mission, it's time for us to complete Jesus's mission. And if a four-year-old asks you to complete a Paw Patrol mission, you can go ahead and do that too. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you today 
for your love, for your son, for what you've done for each one of us in this room. God, I pray, especially after what we've done this morning as we've represented this entire group with these uh, 10 questions, I, I pray that you help us remember that we're not alone. There are people in this room that answered the same thing we did on many of these questions. We pray for those individuals. God, we know that through you, the hope that you provide, that we can find righteousness, find life in your name. God, help us as we go about this mission. It may look different for each person here, but God, I pray you give us strength to help us go to recognize that this is for each one of us, but also for everyone else. As disciples of you, we take this on to fulfill this mission so that we can reach every single person in the world. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all you've done and who you are. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.